So you guys remember we kind of started off those a little bit with this last week. Do you remember your childhood experience of your first deep end experience? Maybe it was off a diving board into a, a pool or a lake, uh, but that first time that, that you felt like deep calling you, it's one of those experiences as children we never tend to forget. It kind of sticks with us through our life. I remember with my own girls, when we're swimming in the shallow end of the pool, it, it's always, you know, we're here, but I want to go there. I want to go to the deep end. I want to be in there. And then, and then once they experience the deep end, what's amazing is they never want to go back, right? The deep end is awesome. The deep end is fun. The deep end is life. It's experience. It's, it, it's this, this amazing place that now that I, I've tasted it, now that I've experienced it, I don't want to go back to the shallows. And that's really what we're kind of talking about through the series over the next few weeks is, is that deep is calling us especially as we consider spiritually where we're at. Deep is calling us, and really, the hope for us is that once you begin to experience deep, you never want to go back to the shallows. We, we don't. No one wants to stay in the shallows forever. We all want something more. We all want something deeper. And, and my guess is that for a lot of us, we're there. We're kind of at a precipice. There's deep is calling. The question is, are we going to answer? As we talked about last week, this series is a little bit challenging for us because most of our series are in all skate. It's for everybody. But this series is kind of more for maybe specific subsets, groups of people. And there are some people that might feel a little left out. In particular, that if you're, if you're the curious skeptic, if you're the person that, that's really not sure about faith or really not sure about God, but you're kind of wondering, is, is there something more? Is there something real to this? Then this series is for you. And my hope is, is that it blesses you and that it encourages you and shows you that there is more and there is something real. Maybe you're a hungry novice. Maybe you're the person that's just new to faith. You're new to God, but you are just hungry. You, there's just, you just want to grow and grow. And you're, there's, there's more of God and more of God, and you just can't consume enough. This series is definitely for you. But maybe you find yourself feeling more like the restless veteran. The restless veteran are, are people who, who have been in faith and been in church for a long time. We, we've experienced God, and we've gone to prayer meetings, and we've gone to small groups, and we've kind of done the whole thing. And, and we, just, we, we, we find ourselves maybe letting off the gas pedal a little bit. Maybe like we've fallen into a rut. <clears throat> Maybe a little bit like, like when we reminisce about the good days, it's always reminiscing. It's never about what's happening now. <clears throat> and the hope is that we wouldn't be okay with that. Our, our hope is, is, is really that we wouldn't want our good days to be the good old days. We want the good days to be what's happening now. But, <clears throat> but if you find yourself not feeling like any of these three, maybe, maybe you find yourself identifying with the happy camper, the person who's just content with where life's at. I'm just content with what's going on in my life. I'm happy. I'm happy where I am. If that's you, I want to say we're thrilled that you're there and we're thrilled that you're happy. <clears throat> but my hope is that over the course of these next few weeks, that, that something would be ignited in you, that something would begin to give you a little bit of a dissatisfaction, that you would want more out of your relationship with God and out of your time with God than what you're experiencing right now, that something in you would change and, and kind of light a fire in you so that you would no longer identify as a happy camper, but you'd find yourself somewhere over here in this mix wanting more out of what God could offer you. Now, as, as we talked about a, a little last week, what's amazing about this whole idea of, of going deeper and, and taking this spiritual journey <clears throat> is that it's not all up to me, right? And that, that's what most people think. Well, well, if we're talking about going deeper, if we're talking about gaining more spirituality, like, isn't that your job, Jim? Isn't that what you're paid to do? Isn't that why you're here on Sunday morning? But as we learned about uh, last week, is that really <clears throat> you have a bigger part to play in this. That if we're going to become deep, we're going to become people that, that experience the depths of, of this relationship with God that we need to learn to feed ourselves. That you have to learn to feed yourself. That's really the unsettling truth that we learned, learned about in, in uh, the, the reading from Hebrews. Is that we all have a part to play. 
that, that God's trying to do something, but more often than not, we're kind of in the way and we're keeping God from moving. And that if we want to experience the depths that God has for us and all that that would bring, that we have to move out of the way and start working with God. So in an effort to become people who feed themselves or self-feeders, we, we created a little initiative. Really, it was a challenge. We invited you to be a part of a journey, and we're calling it Journey of 21 Days of Deep, where over the next 21 days, the church is going to kind of act like Blue Apron. You guys know what Blue Apron is? Blue Apron is the company that sends you all the ingredients to a meal in a box with some instructions, and then you get the box, and it's real simple to throw everything together and enjoy a delicious meal. That's what the, the role the church is going to play. We said essentially this, if you would text 21 to this number, 97000, that over the next 21 days, we would continue to send you a verse every single morning, a verse with a reference that you could read through, it would be on your phone, and then we even gave you a formula, it was an acrostic called SOAP, of how to read through scripture and understand scripture and apply it and begin to pray it out in your life. We said that the best we can, <coughs> we want you to experience deep, and we can't do it on our own. I can teach and I can preach as much as I want, but if you're not willing to get out of the way and get, get on board with, in the, with the direction God's heading, you'll never experience the depths that he wants for you. So if that's you and you've been part of 21 Days of Deep, keep going. We are so excited. Over 90 of you, almost 90 of you rather, have signed up to be a part of what's happening with 21 Days of Deep. If that's not you, maybe you got a few of the messages and you kind of trailed off, get back on. It's not too late. Maybe you weren't here last week or you didn't send it out because you weren't sure you wanted to be a part of it, but now you do. Text that number. 21 to 97,000. Be a part of what's happening. It's not too late. You can look back over our website over the last week of messages and make sure you don't miss a single thing that we're doing. That's principle number one. When it comes to, to learning to get out of the shallows and head into what's deep, that's principle number one. I need to learn to feed myself. I need to learn to get out of God's way and move with God into whatever he wants me to experience. Principle number two is what I want to talk a little bit about this morning. But to do that, I, I want to kind of tell you a little bit about what's going on in my life. I'm really happy you guys asked me that um, because I'm going to tell you what's happening in my life. <clears throat> there you go. Perfect. <clears throat> Hopefully that was loud enough to make the recording, so it makes sense. Um, <clears throat> there's two things that, that have been happening in my life that I've been wrestling with, two kind of fundamental truths. And the first one is this. I'm 39, and I'm turning 40 in about six weeks, which <clears throat> makes some people are proud of that. I, I, I felt fine with it. Until a few weeks ago when I realized I've also got three little girls under the age of nine. And I remember when my dad turned 40 and I thought he was really, really, really old. <laughs> and now I look at myself and I think, is that how they view me? I'm not old. But the truth is, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to be 40 in a few weeks and I'm feeling a, a little bit older. And, and this other truth that kind of comes along with it is I know we just came out of this but, and, you know, we have winter to look forward to. But coming after winter is summer. And there's this, this interesting thing that happens with, with dads in summer, and you guys might know where this is going, is that <clears throat> when summer comes, we hit the beach, and we hit the pool, and then I, I've got I've to show off my, my dad bod. Do you, guys, do you guys know what a dad bod is? I've got a definition for you for, for dad bod, and uh, it's too good not to read. I, I don't want to miss a word. So <clears throat> here's what the dad bod is. The dad bod is the type of physique a man earns when the increasing pressures of work life and especially fatherhood no longer allow him the time or the drive to maintain a hard-toned figure. If human bodies were cuts of beef, the dad bod would be more marbled ribeye than filet mignon. Or if the human bodies were sea mammals, the dad bod would be more like a grazing manatee than a speedy dolphin. The dad bod is more mudslide than mountain, <clears throat> more soft serve than sorbet, more sad trombone than clarinet, more mashed potato than skinny fry. The dad bod is built for comfort. 
Now, <clears throat> let, let's start off by saying this. I'm not saying everyone who's 39 turning 40 and has some kids is like all dad bod. That's not at all what I'm saying. What I am saying is the older you get, <clears throat> the more you feel like I'm just one bad week away from a dad bod. I'm just, I'm just one, like one bad month away from a dad bod. Just, you know, it was a tough week and I pick up Chinese takeout twice. And, and it's like I, I'm one bad meal away from a dad bod. And I know all, all of you 20-somethings, you're sitting there laughing, you know, eating your donuts and your bacon and thinking you're hysterical. You're just old and fat. That's all it is. And <clears throat> okay, you sit there with, with your good metabolisms and laugh. In 10 years, I'm going to be laughing when those pieces of bacon catch up with you right on your midsection. <clears throat> the, the truth is, uh, <laughs> the truth is, the older we get, the more we, I tend to struggle with this. And, and maybe we look in the mirror and we think, that's not exactly what I want to look like. I'm not, I'm not as happy with, with, with how I'm looking physically. And as revelatory as this might sound to some of you, there are nutritionists and there are trainers in the world who've kind of figured this problem out. As a matter of fact, there's a simple equation to figure out if you don't like the way you look physically, there are things you can do to improve. And the first thing that they'll teach you is this. The first thing that matters in this journey is calories in, right? Calories in, it's consumption. It's what are you eating and what are you consuming? And for people in my position who are, you know, 39 with three girls and a beautiful wife, Seven o'clock hits and the girls are in bed and I microwave some popcorn and we sit back and we watch season two of Jack Ryan and one episode turns into two, turns into three and you know the next thing you know we're finding another series to watch tomorrow night. And it's just, it, it's so easy because the popcorn's so good. I'm just gonna keep sitting back and I'm gonna consume and you know munch, 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 munch. And what, what turned into to something nice has now been, been this caloric intake that has gone through the roof. And... and as interesting as this is, when we talk about it physically, there's this incredible correlation to how it works out spiritually as well. But, but if, if you're wrestling with this, if you're wrestling with, with, with how you look, if you're wrestling with how you feel, and there's just this constant consumption of, calor, of calories in, and you find yourself maybe sitting on the couch all the time, there's, there's another part of the equation. There's the second part of the equation, and, and the second part is this. It's not calories in, it's what? Calories out. You guys are paying attention this morning. Calories out. That, that at some point, if, if you're not happy with the way you look physically and you want to improve, that eventually you need to get off the couch and you need to go pick up some dumbbells and you need to begin to work out. You need to begin to expend some of the calories. That, that's the whole point in this. It's not that the calories in is bad. It's that if you keep consuming and consuming all of the calories and never spending some of the calories, then there's a problem. That, that eventually we can consume so many calories, if there's no expansion of it, what happens? We become fat and we become lazy. We become the people we don't want to necessarily be. But, but that if we want to change the way we look, maybe it's time to get off the couch and pick up some dumbbells and go work out. Really, the, the hope would be that, that, that over time, calories out would equal more than calories in. And then you begin to trim the way you look and change the way <clears throat> you, you feel about yourself. And as much as, as, as that's true of, of what happens here with all this nutrition and science, and, and you might be thinking like, like, Jim, I didn't come here for a science lesson. <clears throat> that's true. So, so let, let me ask you this. As much as that's true of our lives physically, if you don't like the way you look physically, it's time to go work out. Let, let me ask you this question. What do you do when you don't like the way you look spiritually? What do you do when, when you look in the mirror and you're not kind of satisfied with the person looking back, spiritually speaking? What's our typical response? You see, for, for most of us, the thought is, is, is this, if I'm being honest, I, I got to go back to church. <clears throat> I got to listen to more messages. 
I got to put in some AirPods and listen to some more podcasts. I got to sing some more songs. I've got to read some more books. I've got to consume more. And what happens is we end up being people who sit on the couch and consume and consume and consume and consume. Because our, our thinking is that if I can get more of God, if I just get more of God, then the deeper my faith is. Right? That's, that's what we end up thinking. <clears throat> the more God works, the deeper my faith gets. So I'll just go and I'll get more. I'll just keep showing up to church. I'll just keep going to every Bible study and everything I can think of. I'll just keep going. And I'm showing up and I say, okay, God, I'm here. Now you do your part. God, I'm listening to the books. I'm listening to the, to the messages. I'm, all right, God, I'm, I'm doing it. Now you do your thing. Because, God, after all, it's all up to you anyway. And, and my guess is, and really what I'm going to pose to you this morning, is that I think, and, and not just Journey Church, but I think Christians overall throughout the world are getting it backwards. Really, I, I think ultimately we're getting it backwards. I think we're expecting God to do something when God's sitting back and he's expecting us to do something. And that's really where I want to go with this message this morning. At least from the passage of scripture that we're going to start with, this is uh, found in the book of Philippians. The Apostle Paul wrote this, this letter to a group of people. As we know, the Apostle Paul was this amazing man who traveled around the Mediterranean Rim planting churches. He plants one in this Roman colony of, of Philippi, <clears throat> plants the church, raises up a passion, and he begins to travel on and teach and preach. Years go by, <clears throat> and now he's writing to these people again, these people that he loves so much that he is, he's so concerned about where they are spiritually. He's writing to them from prison. He's basically starting by saying, I can't be with you anymore. But even though I'm not with you, I'm still so concerned about where you are in your walk with God and, and where you are in, in your spiritual journey, and I want more for you. And he begins to tell them about how to get more and how to become deeper. We're, we're going to look at the whole passage, but I kind of want, I want to start a little bit in reverse this morning. I want to start at the end. I want to start at the promise that Paul gives to the, these people of Philippi, and, and <clears throat> by nature, by us, by, by the church. He says this to these people. He says, if you begin to do the things I've done, if you do the things I've taught you, he says this, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. Which I don't know about you, but it sounds like Taylor Swift wrote that line. <clears throat> you will shine among them like stars in the sky. You, your spiritual life will shine so brightly, it won't be offensive, it'll be attractive. And everyone will want to know what is so different about you. How can you do the same things I do and experience the same things I do, but live that way and smile that way and have hope and have joy? You will shine among them like stars in the sky. That's a bold promise. It was a bold promise to the people in Philippi. And really, I think it's a bold promise for us. For me to come out here and say, if you do these things, if you were to follow God, get out of the way and begin to follow him into the depths of this spiritual journey, that you would shine among the world like stars in the sky. That's a great promise. But that's not where Paul starts. Paul also says this in this passage to the, to the Philippians. He says this, for it is God, <clears throat> for it is God who works in you. And I want us to say those words together. Ready? For it is God who, it's God who's working in you. It's God who's developing this thing in you. Have you ever felt like, 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 like God was moving in you, like, like, like God was doing something in your life? Like maybe, just maybe, the, the, the preacher, it's like he's preaching and he's preaching to me. It's like he, he was reading my mail. It's like he knows exactly what's going on. He's looking at me. He's preaching this message for me. Paul would say, that's God working in you. 
Maybe it was that time you heard a worship song and, and you know, your heart was just kind of crying out. There was something going on and you just didn't have the words until you heard that song. And it was like, yeah, that's it. Those are the words. It was God working in you. Maybe it was times, like I remember the first time I heard the song we, we closed our worship set out with this morning, No Longer a Slave. And I remember my, my daughter, my oldest daughter, who at the time was struggling with this incredible fear. And I, I didn't understand it. For a six-year-old to just cry herself to sleep every night over fear of the future and fear of what would happen and, and fear of school and, and all of the, like fear was just overwhelming her. And one night I played the song for her and I just reminded her, honey, you, you're a child of God. You no longer have to be afraid. And that look on her face when she realized that she could choose not, not to give in to the fear, that was God working in her. Paul said, that's God. God is at work in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purposes. God's working in you in order to do the good things, in order, in order to, to, to do things in the world so that his purpose, so that his plan would come and be fulfilled. But this isn't all Paul's trying to say. Right? This is, to me, this is like calories in. God's working in you. This is consumption, and this is amazing. This is, this is, you're hearing the message, and it's ministering to you. You're singing the songs, and it's happening. This is sitting on the couch and consuming, and Paul's saying, this is good, but this isn't it. And this is how I know Paul's saying that, because of this word right here, for. He's saying, if you would do these things, because you do these things, since you do these things, for you do these things, here's what's going to happen. So what does he say before it? Now, I, I think I've kind of set the table. I think I've hopefully whet your appetite a little bit. We're ready to go to the beginning. Here's how Paul starts this all off. Here's the beginning of this sentence. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, not only when I was with you, but now much more in my absence. Remember, he's writing to them from prison. And he's encouraging these people that he loves so much. And he is so concerned about their spiritual lives and their spiritual journeys. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, he says this, continue to work out. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Or continue to work out your faith like it's important, like it matters, like your life depends on it, like maybe somebody else's life depends on it. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I want us to say work out together. I don't want you to miss that part. Continue to work out. To what? Work out. To sit on the couch? No, no, no. Continue. Once you sat on the couch and you fed and you've got your calories, to then take those calories and to go work out your salvation, to begin to serve people, to begin to love people, to begin to be generous, to begin to be kind, to begin to show people, to work the muscles out that God's beginning to give you. You see, you, we've got all these calories, and if we just sit and we consume and we consume and we consume, we become fat and we become lazy and we become no good for anybody, including ourselves. But Paul says, as much as you consume, as much as you eat, as much as you gain, as much as you're being fed and you're feeding yourselves, then get up and begin to work out and flex those muscles and do whatever God's doing in you out in the world. Begin to show other people what God's doing in you. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling because the truth is, it matters. It matters to you and it matters to those around you. That God would begin to do something not just in you, but through you in the world. We're saying, but, but I, I, this is deep. I've got to learn more. I've got to know more. Paul's saying, that's only half the equation. 
That, that's calories in, and that, that's good. I'm not faulting that. You need calories in. But once you've consumed, guys, you got to get up, and you got to go work out. And you got to begin to put some, some, some feet to your faith. you got to begin to put something in action. you you, you, got, you got to take a step in that direction. you got to begin to serve. You want to get deeper? Go serve some people. Go serve in our kids' ministries. Serve in, in Clubhouse. Go serve in Upstreet and lead a fourth-grade small group. If that doesn't make you deeper, you'll quit and you'll leave. Go serve some people who are less fortunate than you. Maybe God's trying to build something up in you so that you would take it and you would go show somebody else. So that you begin to work out your salvation and work out your faith and work out what you've learned and what you've gained and what you've consumed for the sake of someone else. So let's read it from the beginning again. He says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, continue, 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 to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. It's almost like Paul's saying, this thing that's happening in you, those moments when you feel like God's working in you, those moments when you feel like, like, like that message was for me, like that song was for me, like, like this thing I read, it's just, it's just consuming my mind and my thoughts, that was me, that was God working in me, like perhaps all that God's working in you, Paul is telling you then to go work out. To work out what God is working in. So that if you feel like you've been overwhelmed with this, this grace, that God just, just undeservedly showed you this grace, then maybe you need to go and undeservedly show somebody else some grace. Like somehow God forgave you of this awful thing you did. Maybe you need to go and offer some forgiveness to somebody who hurt you and never asked for it. Like how God poured out his generosity upon you. Maybe you need to go and pour out your generosity on some people that really need it but would never ask. Like how God kind of stood between the walls as you felt like they were closing in on you. Maybe you need to go stand between the walls for somebody else because they feel like they're closing in. Like maybe whatever it is that God's been working in you, he's telling you now go work out in the world for someone else. That's how you get a little deeper. Somebody served you, go serve them. Somebody showed up when you thought nobody else would. Go be that person for them. Somebody prayed for you when you were down. Go pray for someone else. You want to know how to, how to get deeper? You've got to put some action behind your faith. You see, but, but, but with Christians, what we tend to do is, is we tend to sit back. And we, we tend to collect our experiences, Right? Did you guys hear that new series of Journey? Man, it was so good. No, I, I, you know, I, I missed it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to catch up during the week. Hey, do you guys, you guys remember that, that, that guy Jim talks about, Andy, Andy Stanley? Yeah, Stanley, the guy in Atlanta. Yeah, I've been watching him, man. It, it's, it's so good. It's so deep. And we just consume. And we eat the popcorn because it's so good. Oh, you're listening to Andy Stanley? No, no, I, I'm listening to Louis Giglio. If you really want to get deep in spirits, you've got to listen to Louis Giglio. Oh, you guys don't know what you're talking about. I started this new 14-day Bible study where we read through 14 books of the Bible every morning, and then we get together and we cry about it. It's amazing. <laughs> oh, that? Come on. I'm reading the Jesus Calling, and then I put oceans on repeat, and I just sit and cry in my car all morning. <laughs> hey, hey, when are we doing another worship night so I can get my feels on for the month? And it's like munch, munch. Does it sound familiar? It sounds familiar to me. 
Because I think what we like to do as Christians is we just like to consume experiences. We like to collect experiences. Like somehow, deep is just a collection of experiences. But the truth is, it's not. Deep is not a collection of experiences. It's not just sitting back and consuming and consuming. See, what deep is, is deep is a collection of applied experiences. Deep is taking what we get here and, and then doing something with it and saying, man, I, I can't believe I learned that. I can't believe somebody was willing to do that for me. I'm going to go do it for someone else. I, I, I'm going to go serve in the kids' ministry even though it looks so impossible. I'm going to go serve some middle school and some high schoolers in transit. You know, we have a whole group of people who are willing to serve in that ministry but no one willing to lead. We just need a leader. It's prime to go. We just need someone to lead. Maybe you want to serve some guests who come in every morning. At Journey, this is what we love to do. We love to serve the people that show up. And somebody greeted you with a smile on their face and showed you our kids' ministry and how to get a cup of coffee like you didn't know how to do that. We just, you know, we like to state the obvious. So we showed you how to get a cup of coffee, and you just felt so welcomed. Maybe you need to serve people like that. Maybe you need to go and you need to serve beyond this ministry. Maybe you need to show up at Salvation Army and volunteer for a little bit. Maybe you need to show up at Jericho Road, a ministry that serves the homeless people every Monday night. You want to get deep? That kind of thing makes you deep. Not just sitting here. Not just consuming. But taking what you've consumed and then going and working it out. That kind of stuff makes you deep. It's not a collection of of experiences. It's a collection of applied experiences. And Paul says, once you've consumed, once you've sat and once you've gained and, and you've got all this knowledge and you've got all this thing that God's doing in you, he goes on and he says this, do everything. Or, or begin to exercise, begin to work out your faith. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. He's saying do it joyfully. Begin to work out your faith joyfully like it's an experience that you get to help other people experience God so that you may become blameless and pure. <coughs> Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. And let's be honest, there are things going on in our culture that we don't understand that are so confusing. He's saying, you could be the light. You could be the pure. You could be the blameless child of God, showing people light in this world. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life or to the message of Jesus or to the gospel. Your faith will shine like stars in the sky. It will be something that attracts people to you, that people will see in you and wonder, why are you so different? What makes you so different? It's because I'm not just sitting on the couch. It's because I'm not just sitting there getting fat and lazy and and, and no good to anyone else. I'm taking that and and I'm being good for someone else. You see, what ends up happening when we sit here is it's really easy to judge from here. It's really easy to condemn from here. It's really easy to sit and point the finger and say everyone else should do something else. You got to say, no, 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 it's time to get in the game Get off the couch and pick up your dumbbells and start exercising the faith that I'm building in you. And you will shine like stars in the sky because your faith will be so real and so magnetic and so powerful. It will not just change you, it will change those around you. And then he concludes with this, and I love how he concludes. He says, and then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. And why do you think he would say that? Why do you think he would talk about laboring in vain? Because if as a church, if as Christians, if as you know, the, the restless veteran or the hungry novice or, or, or the, the, the skeptic who's just kind of wondering if it's all real, if we just sit here 
forever. And we consume and we consume and we consume and never do anything with the good thing that God's working in us. He's saying, then I've labored in vain. Then it's been no good to the world. Then your light isn't shining like stars in the sky. But if you were to take the things you've consumed and you'd begin to go work them out and you'd begin to put it into practice and you begin to flex those spiritual muscles that I'm beginning to build in you, then you haven't labored in vain. But your light has changed the world. And that's what we teach our kids, right? Remember that little song we always teach our kids? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Not if we're sitting there. Not if our life is all about consuming. See, for our faith to shine, it needs to be exercised. Because a faith that is exercised shines for the world to see. It shines so bright it can't be missed. It's the thing that people always wonder about you. How is your life so different? So what do we do? How do we get off the couch? What are things I can do to my, I've consumed and I've consumed and I've enjoyed it, but how can I start being active? I've created a little list. This isn't an exhaustive list. This is just a list of things that you can start doing now to begin exercising your faith. Here's number one. We already hit this. Serve. Go serve. Serve, serve in our kids' ministry. Serve in our guest teams. Serve in our production team. Be a small group leader. Serve people. Serve in ministries outside of this church. There are a ton of organizations that are doing good for people. You want to test your faith and you want to see how deep your faith will go? Go serve people that truly deserve it and need it. That'll grow you. Serve. How about this? How about invite? This is what we do at Journey. I think that if you call this church home and you've been here more than three weeks in a row, you should be inviting people here. Not because I want everyone to come and hear me and hear the words of Jim. I'm not that good. It's because I want them to come experience something that you help create, an irresistible environment where they can come and experience God without feeling shame or guilt or judgment. If you're here, you need to be inviting people. People need to experience what you've experienced. It's like saying, I'm taking all the goodness that God's given me, all the light, all the grace, all the mercy, all the generosity, and it's mine. No, go invite. Be a, a light that shines so bright it's like a star in the sky and show people. I, 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 I challenge you over the next six to eight weeks, from November to December, to begin to put these things in practice. From November to December, find one person and begin to connect to them and then say, would you come sit with me at church? I challenge you to do that and see if that doesn't begin to grow your faith. See if you don't begin to become a little more dependent on God in those situations. Number three, share. Share whatever God's doing in you. Go lead a small group. Lead a small group of people and begin to share with them the things that God has already begun to build up in you. Lead a Bible study in your neighborhood or at work. We'll help you. We'll put, help you put it together. And begin to share with, with other people what God has already begun to work in you. Share. How about this next one? This is so basic. Be kind and generous. We teach that to all of our children. But as adults, how often are we? Be kind and generous. Find somebody to go be kind to. Offer forgiveness to somebody who maybe doesn't deserve it and has never asked. Offer somebody something that you have that they would never, ever think of asking for. And then pour it out on them with such lavishness, they are just blown away. Be generous with your grace. 
Be generous with your forgiveness. Be generous maybe with your time. Maybe all they need is somebody to listen to them and pray with them. Be kind and be generous. And how about this last one? This takes a little bit of explaining, but I think it was too good to leave off. Read and listen with action. Read and listen with action. When you're doing the 21 days of deep and you're reading a scripture, don't just read and jump on to the next one. <coughs> I learned this from Mark Batterson. He said this, don't read through one chapter of the Bible and jump right to the next without figuring out first what you're going to do with the first chapter. Read and then think, God, how can I do this? That's why we gave you that soap acrostic. A is for application. How can I do this? How can I change? How can I be the person I'm reading about? How can I take this thing that I've learned on the couch and bring it out into the world and exercise it among other people? Read and listen with action. This is what I want you to do. But don't misunderstand me. This isn't me saying the couch is wrong. I'm not at all saying don't sit on the couch, don't consume. Consume. Consume a lot of calories. Eat, watch, listen, uh, podcasts, books, messages, whatever you can. Get more and more of it. Just don't stay here. Once you've consumed it all, then go out and just begin to work out like crazy in the world. Begin to expel your calories. Expel more calories than what you consume. And then come back and consume some more. That's ultimately what I want. Here's a great example of this. You guys remember this guy? <clears throat> For some reason, Brian thinks that that's his face photoshopped. He's really proud of that. You know how many calories The Rock consumes in a day? Over 5,000 calories. How about this next guy? You know who that is? Michael Phelps. The best swimmer in the world ever. You know how many calories he consumes in a day in his prime? 12,000 calories. Can you imagine what we would look like if we consumed 12,000 calories? <clears throat> Here's the thing. I wish you would. I wish you would. And then I'd wish you'd get up and you'd exercise and you would begin to work your faith among the people around you like you never have before. I wish you would. This isn't about not consuming. This is about consuming and then taking what you've consumed and exer exercising it in the people around you. This will change you and it will change those you love as you begin to exercise your faith and work out what God is working in. Here, I'm going to close with this question. This is a question I've been wrestling with all, all, all week. <clears throat> you may have heard this term before. Have you ever heard the question, are you earning your calories? You know, a runner says that. I've run three miles. I can eat the donut. You know, I've run a marathon. I can eat a deep fried pizza. <clears throat> you, you know, we just, it's an excuse to, to, to consume the calories we want to consume. But let me ask you a serious question. Are you consuming your calories? Are you earning your calories? Are you earning your calories? I got to tell you, that question has bothered me so much this week. Because there are days I, I don't think I have. I think I'm, it's so much easier for me to sit and eat the popcorn and consume. But I think God's challenge, really God's invitation to us is, is don't let that be your Christian experience. Guys, this is the shallows. If you stay here, this is the shallows. And God's saying, Jim, journey, I've got so much more. Get off the couch, pick up your weights, join me in the deep end, and you'll experience things you never thought possible. I'll take you to heights you never thought imaginable. Consume and consume and begin to throw some weight around. And, and, and restless veterans, let me speak to you quickly. <clears throat> I, I think this is, this is us. This is people who've been here for a while, and we kind of feel like we're in the rut. And God's inviting you to get back in and get active. And I think you need to hit the gym again. And I'm not talking like picking up those little five or tens. 
I'm talking like hit the squat rock with 45s on the side and start throwing some weight around. I think God will use you more in the days to come, in the year to come, than he ever has before if you're willing to get off the couch and get active and exercise your faith. I really do. I think there's a reason God led us to this series at the time he did, coming to the end of 2019, so that we can begin to learn and form these habits now, so that when 2020 rolls around, we start the year and we make it the best year we've ever had in our lives, that this doesn't just change us, but it begins to change the people around us as we exercise and live out our faith the way God has always intended. But for those of you, if I can quickly, as we close, for those of you who aren't a Christian, Maybe you're here and you think, you see, this is the thing I, I hate about Christians. It's all talk and no action. I, I, here's what I want to challenge you with. Do the same thing. Go and do this. Go and love someone who needs to be loved. You're not a Christian. You don't even have to go do it in Jesus' name. <clears throat> Just go care for someone who needs to be cared. Go show up for someone who's desperate for someone to show up in their lives and see if that doesn't grow your heart. You see, I think this is the thing that for many of you who've been on the edge of following Jesus or not following Jesus, this is the catalyst to push you over. Because there is no way to begin doing this. There is no way to serve and love and invite and befriend and be generous and be kind and be people of action without experiencing something deeper in this life. <clears throat> Guys, the couch, just the beginning. But if you stay there, it's shallow. I think what God's asking all of us to do is to begin working out what he's working in. And I think he's saying, if you'll do that, guys, you're stepping out of the way and you're joining me. And I will take you to depths you never thought possible. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, God, for this incredibly challenging message. God, it's even so challenging for me. God, it is so easy to be people that are just complacent and satisfied consuming. <clears throat> but I pray that would never be us. I pray for each person that you would give us the courageousness, God, to take a step off the couch, to begin exercising, to begin putting our faith in action. And as we do, God, I pray it would change who we are. I pray we would experience depths we've never experienced, but I pray, God, it would begin to bless those around us, that we would see our families change and our friends and our neighborhood and our workplace change because of what you're doing in and through us. And I thank you for all those things in Jesus' name. Amen.